0: Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, we debut a brand new segment on the program, and Dr. Larry Spargimino continues to make his case about the dangers he sees in today's Calvinism. We're less than a month away from our first Clarity to the Chaos Conference of 2023, February 17th and 18th in Niceville, Florida. Speakers include Doug Stoffer. Dr. Larry Spargiamino, Greg Patton, Larry Stamm, Micah Van Hus, and Josh Davis. Reserve your seats today by visiting the events page of our website, swrc.com. Or just give us a call, 1-800-652-1144. Here's our host, Dr. Larry Spargiamino and Dr. Kenneth Hill, continuing their examination of Calvinism in today's world.
1: Brother Larry, it seems to me that we who are dispensationalists see ourselves coming to the end of an age, the age of the church age, in fact, evangelism and missions being a major part of that. The problem with tulip theology is that the tulip theologian stifles evangelism and missions. And some will take offense to that. Please don't do so. But by and large, we see that to be the case. So they think maybe what will be will be. It's just going to happen. What's the use? Why do we do evangelism? What God wants is what God will have. So do you have some insight into that, maybe some stories you can share with us?
2: One Christian and his wife who came to faith through Harvest Crusades, led by Greg Glory, their lives were radically changed. The love that they had for each other, the way they raised their kids was a marvel. Praise God. They were I mean, it was just a beautiful thing. And, Ken, they became true soul winners. They had a tremendous burden for the lost, so in an attempt at creative witnessing and non-churchy outreach— They started having Saturday afternoon parties at their home. It was all very low-key. And after the meal, they showed an evangelistic film. They would tell people, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. They had several people publicly profess their faith in baptism and join their church, and they stick. The husband began sharing his faith at work, and one of his co-workers was a Reformed Baptist, five points all the way. He told the husband that he was telling people the wrong thing. He said, it's not true that God loves you and has a plan for your life. The Bible doesn't teach that, he said. So the co-worker gave the husband some Calvinistic literature. One of the booklets was titled, For Whom Did Christ Die? And of course, it was pushing limited atonement. The husband read the booklet and concluded that the scriptures do teach limited atonement. So he went back to his church. He asked his pastor what he thought. Of the pastor read the book and was amazed. He said, well, yeah, maybe Jesus doesn't love everyone. Maybe he didn't die for everyone. Maybe we shouldn't ask people to come forward and accept Christ and so on. Well, this really had a chilling effect, this lovely couple and their kids. No more Saturday hot dog cookouts and evangelistic movies. No more witnessing. No more prayers for the lost in the neighborhood. Now, in my estimation, that's criminal, especially at the end of the age. The trumpet could sound at any moment, and we need to be on fire for God. I'm on fire for God. I'll be 82 years of age. I'm pastoring a bilingual church. We're doing evangelistic work. And the reason why I'm on fire for God is because I believe that what I do makes a difference, and what I don't do also makes a difference. If I witness to somebody, if I love them into the kingdom, if I'm friendly with them, if I have the right scriptures, you know, if I've prayed for them, that makes a difference. We don't want to dampen that zeal. But so many Calvinists in these very, very small churches, all they do is they want to debate the five points. It's very, very sad to me. In fact, you know, there's this story about the army chaplain in the Persian Gulf. The chaplain was asked by his superior to lead a worship service of several hundred people who were involved in petroleum exploration along the Persian Gulf. So, you know, the chaplain was delighted that he had such a large audience. There were people from the UK, Saudi Arabia, Jordan, and several other Middle Eastern countries all in the congregation. What a great opportunity to share Christ. Well, guess what happened? The chaplain who had this opportunity, he was a Calvinist, and so he gave a lecture on the five points of Calvinism. That's criminal. He should have been holding up Christ. There were people out there who might never have heard the gospel, and yet he goes through all the TULIP theology these people get so confused and so blinded by their theology that they forget what's really important. His name is Jesus. So these are some of the examples that I think show and I've got many more examples that I know how my life has been affected. You know all throughout the scriptures, the Bible says if by people which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and so forth and confess their sins. We can make a difference, and we have to get out of this idea that we are the frozen chosen. It's kind of like you and I well know that some of our Calvinist brethren like to criticize Southwest Radio Church because we say God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. I believe that's true. He's still on the throne and prayer changes things.
1: Indeed, but it's one of the things that people ask me about, isn't that contradictory? Well, no, it's not contradictory. God is sovereign, and he listens to our prayers, and he answers our prayers, and he has promised to do so. Does God lie? Does he say, I will answer your prayers, and then he doesn't? Is he, like a lot of Christians, they say, yeah, I'll pray for you, and they forget all about you? No, God isn't. Jesus Christ himself is making intercession for us on a moment-by-moment basis before Almighty God, our Heavenly Father. Now think about that. Fantastic what God is doing so it's important for us to understand that there are practical portions of this thing called theology. Some of it is to be dabbled in with a abounding joy, and some is to be dabbled with with a real concern. But when we study the Word of God, we must study the Word of God. And we must then place ourselves in the midst of it. I have as well seen time and time again when churches that were evangelistic and on fire for God, when they changed their theology to a five-point tulip understanding, and the church died. I've talked to a number of my friends who hold to the view of five-point Calvinism For me, they cannot point to one church that went from a small body to a big body, a big influence, a huge influence, as a five-point Calvinist church. I'm sure they're there, but I haven't found one. Tell me about those. Do you know of those?
2: People like Jonathan Edwards and Spurgeon and others were Calvinists, but when it came to their invitation, when it came to a visitation program— when it came to having a children's message, trying to understand where people are. I mean, Calvinists say, look, if the person's elect, that person's going to get saved. So you don't have to try to reach that person. But these churches who claim to be Calvinist, so many of them that are growing in their actual practice, they don't practice Calvinism. I used to be a PCA pastor, It used to be the Perimeter Church, for example, in Atlanta. I don't even know what's happened to the Perimeter Church, but it was a very outreach-oriented church, and yet it held to the Westminster Confession of Faith, the larger catechism, the shorter catechism. If you compare what the Westminster Standards teach with the practice of this church that was reaching out to many people, they're totally different. They were in name Presbyterian, conservative Presbyterian, but as far as their practice was concerned, they loved people, they witnessed the people, they went into poor areas, it didn't matter if they were Hispanic or African-American, they just loved people into the kingdom. So the churches that claim to be Calvinistic and are growing, they're really not Calvinistic.
1: We have a number of broadcasters on our various radio stations around the country that are Calvinistic, or at least hold that they are, and whether it be the R.C. Sproul broadcast, Ligonier broadcast, and such, or John MacArthur, what's your response to those who say, well, I guess we shouldn't listen to those people?
2: I still enjoy listening to R.C. Sproul and John MacArthur. Dr. Sproul is a gifted teacher Some of his material on the Reformation, the Doctrine of the Trinity, Why the Righteous Suffer, and so on, are excellent. And the same is true with John MacArthur. You know, the MacArthur Study Bible is one of the most helpful study Bibles on the market. I have one that's all marked up. I heard Dr. MacArthur in an open Q&A session, a young lady asked him about gender dysphoria, about puberty blockers and surgery. It was a difficult question to answer, and the young lady had evidently been struggling. She wanted some answers. Well, Dr. MacArthur did an excellent job in answering her question, and he did it with gentleness and with with kindness. So I don't have to agree with everything a preacher believes to listen to him and to receive a blessing. D. James Kennedy When he was alive, was one of my favorite pastors. I enjoyed him immensely, but he was a Reformed Presbyterian. Actually, I have most of John Calvin's commentaries and also the Institutes of the Christian Religion. He was one of the great Reformers, and I readily admit that. But I believe he was all wrong on the sovereignty of God, but not as wrong as some of his followers who added that tulip theology and made it very rigid.
1: But it's interesting when we study the Reformers, when we study the, the various church fathers, to see how they have been presented in a different light, in a different way, and the conversation about them is different than what they themselves presented.
2: That's very true. We have to make sure we, we understand a person's position. For example, some people will say, well, you must be an Arminian i'm not an arminian i don't think arminianism is correct but i don't think that five-point calvinism is correct either so i'm hoping that my book would help people to intelligently think of all the issues and i hate division and i don't want anybody to say he doesn't like Sproul or he doesn't like john macarthur i admire those men i admire john calvin i admire some of augustine's writings in fact augustine was a calvinist about Uh, a thousand years before John Calvin, but there are some things, I mean, we don't have to take everything. So I would hope that nobody would say that I'm divisive. I'm really not divisive. I love Jesus, and if anybody loves Jesus the way I love Jesus, I love them, and we'll work together.
1: Well, there are two important terms that have not yet been defined, but they were defined in your book. One of them is synergism. The other is monergism.
2: Well, monergism is the view that God works alone in salvation. Calvinist or monergist, God works alone and does not enlist human cooperation. The other view, which I believe is the biblical view, is synergism. God and man work together. The salvation of sinners is totally dependent on the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, plus his ascension into heaven. Now, what happened at the ascension, well, God gave gifts to men, why? Because God uses men and women as agents of salvation and has gifted them so that they would be effective in that capacity. You know, God could have saved the Ethiopian in the desert without human intervention. God could have spoken to the Ethiopian in some kind of a subliminal way, but God did not do that, he sent Philip. This is synergism, and throughout the scripture, We see God and man working together. God told Joseph to take Mary and Jesus to Egypt because Herod was planning to murder Jesus. So Joseph was an instrument of safety for the Christ child. And then uh, Kenneth and John 11, the people took away the stone from the sepulcher in which Lazarus was buried. Lazarus was supernaturally resuscitated. He was made alive, and yet Jesus commanded people to remove the grave from the resuscitated Lazarus. Once again, we see God and man cooperating. In fact, Paul said, Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers, now listen to this, by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. 1 Corinthians 3 also says, For we are laborers together with God. And then in 1 Corinthians 9, the apostle writes, I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Wow, that's not a Calvinistic statement. Paul is saving some? What are you talking about? Well, that's in the Bible. Man's part is so important that the apostle says that I might by all means save some. So I really think What I see in in Calvinism is they take some good ideas and they go beyond Scripture. Of course, God is sovereign. Who wants to deny that? But they go beyond Scripture. And you know, Kenneth, I think one of the signs of maturity is that we have a balance. And I think that Calvinists are immature in the sense that they're out of balance, the scripture has a wonderful balance. When we look at Jesus, fully God and fully man, we see this wonderful balance throughout. And yet, Calvinists come and they're unbalanced and unscriptural in some of these matters.
0: Dr. Spargimino's two-day look at Calvinism and its effect on today's church is available on CD when you call 1-800-652-1144. Every day, the return of the Lord draws closer. Evangelism, outreach, and fervent prayer need to become a lifestyle. Yet, the growing popularity of five-point Calvinism has had a chilling effect on many. Dr. Larry Spargimino's new book, Calvinism on Trial, is available now. Call 1-800-652-1144. You can also order Dr. Spargiamino's brand new book online, swrc.com. Dr. Larry Spargiamino was a Reformed Presbyterian pastor and also a Reformed Baptist pastor for several years. His prayer is that his new book, Calvinism on Trial, will prepare you to think biblically about some of the areas of critical concern facing the church that are often misunderstood by those in the Reformed community. Calvinism on Trial, one 800 That's one 800 1144 Or online, swrc.com. Staff Evangelist Josh Davis has been looking into all of the information from around the world that is pointing to a one-world system. One world government, one world religion, one world economy. All foretold in Scripture and all pointing to the soon return of Jesus Christ. Today, we have a brand new segment highlighting the efforts around the globe to bring the world together just as Scripture has said. We call it the One World Update. Here is Josh Davis.
3: Today we're going to see how digital identification is gaining ground around the globe. Over the last decade, India instituted and expanded on their national identification system called ADHAR, which means foundation. And this identification process involved personal data along with biometric information obtained through iris scans of the eye and fingerprint scans, but important questions have risen up along the way in India. One of the main concerns that they have is the ownership and the control of this information. In other words, does the information belong to the individual or to the state? Will it be used to control the citizens' access to essential services and financial resources? In recent years, Australia has enlarged its MyGovID program as well. According to their official website, this is a mobile app that uses the fingerprint and facial recognition software already on your mobile device to verify your identity. So when you link more of your information in the app, you are granted more access to interact digitally with government services. So then your facial recognition mobile device scan is checked against your government documents like your driver's license or your passport. And once it verifies that it's really you, it grants you access to the most digital services available from the Australian government. So in other words, if you want access, you must give the government permission to access more of your digital information. Similarly, South Korea has implemented its Government 24 system, they call it, which includes a digital government ID that can be accessed via mobile devices. According to their official website, they hope to digitize the majority of their identifications and get close to 50 million citizens to use their Government 24 platform by the year 2025. Just about anything a citizen would need to do through the South Korean government can be completed through this new platform that they've set up. For instance, a pregnant mother can sign up to have her prenatal vitamins delivered to her doorstep using this government app. Citizens can check family medical records, they can access financial information, they can see what government programs they can qualify for, they can instantly apply for those that they may qualify for, they can manage their public utilities, they can even make mobile phone payments and keep all their important documents safely, securely in one place. That's in South Korea. But similar things are taking shape in Europe. The European Union is moving toward the creation of what they call the European Digital Identity Wallet. And the general approach was adopted by the European Parliament recently. The website for this provides a lot of details for the purpose of these digital identity wallets. On the website it says this, quote, These personal digital wallets will enable citizens to digitally identify themselves, store and manage identity data, as well as official documents in electronic format. This may include driving licenses, medical prescriptions, or diplomas. Thanks to this wallet, citizens will be able to prove their identity when necessary to access online services. Citizens will have full control of the data they share at all times, and the use of the wallet will be completely voluntary, End quote. Is any of this taking place in America? If you're like me, that's the question that I'd like to have answered. While the rush to this digital identification around the world is not quite as prominent in America as it is in these other nations, we are still seeing a push in this direction. Individual states are developing digital identifications like driver's licenses. These mobile identifications are touted as more secure, less vulnerable to fraud, than their physically printed counterparts. Apple has partnered with several states to develop this kind of technology. Arizona became the first state to launch a digital driver's license and state ID in March 2022. This is what the Apple company had to say, quote, Apple announced that Arizona is the first state to offer driver's license and state ID in wallet. Arizonans can add their driver's license or state ID to wallet, tap their iPhone or Apple Watch seamlessly and securely present it at select TSA security checkpoints in Phoenix Sky Harbor International Airport, end quote. I hope that you understand what they're saying there. That just with your cell phone or even your smartwatch, you can register your ID and you can scan that to get on an airplane at Phoenix Sky Harbor International Airport. The federal government is also considering legislation to give a uniform approach to this American digital identity. It's being called Improving Digital Identity Act. It's bounced around the House and the Senate since 2020. Originally introduced by Democratic Congressman Bill Foster of Illinois, the bill has since received bipartisan support from both Democrats and Republicans. The final version has yet to pass, and it's uncertain if the new Republican House majority will promote or pass similar legislation. Some are concerned with the potential for misusing this digital data, even the ACLU authored a paper in 2021 to outline their serious concerns about, quote, what digital driver's licenses could mean for privacy, equity, and freedom, end quote, calling it an identity crisis. And that's coming from the ACLU, no less. Utah is one of the states who have begun digital driver's licenses, And one article quotes Ryan Williams of the Utah Department of Public Safety's Driver License Division. He says this, get this quote, with the online version and end quote, where the card check reader is reaching out to check the state license database to confirm that an ID is real. He says, quote, there's a ping but it's not anything we track or are interested in tracking, end quote. So by their own admission, the government would have the ability to track each time the digital identification is used. Every time you use your government identification to make a purchase, apply for a loan, or a host of other personal matters, the government could potentially track you. This is just a few steps removed From the government having the ability to control our lives and limit our personal freedoms, it's becoming easier and easier to see how the Antichrist is going to establish such a system, isn't it not, friends? The one world government will provide a standardized way for everybody's identification to be issued and to be used. And no doubt there's going to be promises to make your life easier while the government saves money in its GDP, while the government is protecting the environment by eliminating the need for paper or printed materials. Plus, the government can solve the border security issues by creating a worldwide borderless digital society. This sounds like a win-win until it gets into the wrong hands and it's used to control the world's citizens. Be encouraged. Think on the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Luke 21, verse 28.
0: Dr. Larry Spargiamino's brand new book, Calvinism on Trial, will help you develop a good defense against what Dr. Spargiamino calls Kamikaze Calvinists. Calvinism on Trial is available right now. Call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order Calvinism on Trial at our website, swrc.com. Lord willing, we'll be back here Monday, ready to once again bring clarity to the chaos. Don't miss a moment of Watchmen on the Wall, friends. Download our SWRC mobile app or subscribe to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. And as always, head into the weekend with the encouragement that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners just like you. Please visit our website, swrc.com.